Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Guys, we're going to be laughing a lot. Eric and I go way back. He's currently my financial advisor, but he's also one of my closest friends. And we're sitting in a room together right now, not looking at each other because we'll start laughing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. I hope you're ready for some wealth strategy today and a lot of laughs because I sat down with one of my nearest, dearest friends, Eric Potts. Now, Eric is the founder of the Summit Wealth Group. He has 19, almost 20 years in the biz of wealth management. He is New Hampshire's top-rated wealth managers for nine years running, listed in Forbes magazine and the Wall Street Journal. But to me, Eric is someone I grew up with who I trust immensely. And specifically, I trust him with my family's plan. Like this guy is who we sit down with, we pour our heart out to him, and we paint the vision for the future and of the life that we want to be living as a family and the impact we want to be making in the world. And he helps us breathe life into that through financial strategy. But today's call, if you're like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm freaked out by my numbers or I have the money coming in, but I, I don't really know what to do with it. We are talking a lot about the difference between just making money because a lot of you listening, you've got the numbers. The money is coming in. That's not the problem. It's what you do with it. So how can we shift from just making money to building wealth, right? Creating a plan, not one that's going to freak you out. We spoke about it in language that works for me, which means it's going to work for you because I, by definition, am not a numbers person. It freaks me out as much as the next person who's a type three on the Enneagram and wants to create and vision everything. I don't like getting into the nitty gritty, but guess what? We're business owners, so we need to know our numbers. Tune in today. I have to tell you too, when we recorded this episode, we were in person. So for the first five minutes, we literally couldn't make eye contact because we just kept laughing. And we also you know, had to deal with the fact that I was hacking up a lung because apparently I had something, you know, I swallowed water wrong and then it cursed me the rest of the episode. And you know what? We want you to get the, the best of this. So we're not going to worry about those little details. So don't mind my hacking. I promise I'm fine. I didn't choke. But you will love this episode with Eric Potts, my incredible friend, someone who I trust to the moon and back. And I adore, but someone who also knows his stuff. And this is going to help change the game for you and your business and the future of your wealth strategy. So let's get to the show. 
So today we're going to be talking about making money versus building wealth. Okay. And I want you to help our audience get an understanding of the power of shifting into this mindset of generating wealth, building wealth versus just having money coming in, socking it into savings, you know, putting it away and then spending it and not really having a full understanding of their numbers and what they're doing with their money and the best strategies for growing their wealth okay. in the process. Yep. But first, tell us a little more about you. Um, okay. So I have been doing wealth management for, I think it's 19 years now. And I started with a large private firm in Boston, started my own firm about seven years ago. And then my friend and I joined forces and we merged firms together. She has a very mature practice up in Vermont with one of the founding partners. And um, so we recently merged January 1st and it's great. And uh, yeah, and then being an entrepreneur, at a young age, I owned a landscape company from the time I was 14 through about the age of 22. I went to business school in Boston for finance and um, yeah, always have had that entrepreneurial mindset just in different industries, whether it was landscaping or now in finance itself. Mm -hmm. So our audience for the most part has the making money side of the equation down. Okay. But like I said, they're either putting it away, you know, putting it into savings or money is coming in, but it's also going out and maybe they don't have, it could be fallen into a few different categories. Maybe they don't have a good handle on those numbers mm -hmm. because one, it, it stresses them out. Talking about money stresses them out yep. or they're just quote, not numbers people, but they know they want to make more of it and they want to set their families up for success in the future. They want to set themselves up. They have big goals and visions, but they're probably not leveraging fully the strategies to take advantage of what they do have currently mm -hmm. and set goals for where they want to end up. Mm. So let's talk through some of those strategies, do's, don'ts, uh, some things that you've witnessed. You've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Yep. So... Do you notice patterns like there are different kinds of people, like the ones that do this and the ones that do this? Or... Yeah. So one of the questions that we now ask clients is, what does money mean to you? And what are some of your first experiences with money? Good and bad experiences. And as an example, some people might say, my first bad experience was when, you know, as a family, we couldn't afford to do something when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Um, and a good experience might be... I babysat and I've worked and made enough money to go buy my first CD or something like right. that. So everybody has a different mindset about what money means to them. And I think that's important. And if you're married, your spouse doesn't necessarily have to have the same mindset, but I think it's important to know how people value money because um, mm -hmm. it's a little different. So some do's and don'ts. Um, I have clients who they might be doctors or have be lawyers and have their own practices and very smart, well-educated people and they're entrepreneurs in their own industry. However, oftentimes people try to keep up with the Joneses as we've talked about. And what I have found is that people who kind of flaunt or are kind of showy about what they have, those mm -hmm. are typically the people that don't have. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And so that whole keeping up with the Joneses thing is kind of a facade. And I, I feel like the people that, you know, it's The Millionaire Next Door, that book that, you know, I read when I was younger and a lot of entrepreneurs probably have, you know, the person that drives like a used reliable vehicle is the one who saves 
the most money and whose net worth has grown the most substantially right. over their lifetime. And they're in a better position when it comes to retire or fund certain goals. And I, I honestly have found that over the years. So it all starts by building good habits. Yes. And those individuals who have built good habits, like saving first and keeping their lifestyle kind of the same, even though their income level has gone up, those people end up so far ahead. It, there's it, there's a big discrepancy between those that did and those that didn't do that. Right. Yeah. I think I want to stay there for a sec because the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing is something we talk about all the time. And it's funny because in our world of entrepreneurship, especially online entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. it's all being shared online. So right. you're getting, you know, the that facade you talk about how they want to be perceived, yeah. not necessarily what is reality or what's in their bank account. Yeah. So one of the big things you'll see is that online entrepreneurs, they'll have launches, right? So they'll launch a new product or yep. they'll have an offering come out and they'll I did a $3 million launch. I did a $1 million launch or whatever. But that does not equal how much money ends up going in their bank account mm. because maybe half of that was affiliate partnerships and gets paid out to those partners. And, you know, another big chunk of that goes to their team or yep. the Facebook ads they had to run. So yep. ultimately, it's not the wealth they've generated. It's X amount of cash, but mostly spend. And but they flaunt the number of the total sales, which really ultimately doesn't mean anything for the business, the person yes. or their strategies. Yep. Uh, so I think that's a big factor that like a lot of people care more about. I have to produce this number for this book sale, this launch, whatever, because it gives that perception of me having generated income mm -hmm. and wealth. So you mentioned net worth. Can we talk about that for a second? Just break that down for people, for the people who really like don't tap into anything financial strategy. Talk about the difference between, you know, what your actual net worth is. And then like stuff like we just talked about, like X amount in sales for a, a product you launched. So net worth essentially is assets minus your liabilities, and that, that'll equal kind of your net worth. So what we do with clients, and you know, it's all about tracking progress. So we always track, you know, what was the net worth at our last meeting versus what it is now. And your net worth could be greater because you paid down debt. Mm -hmm. So your your net worth grows. You you brought on assets that have appreciated. But just because you made more money doesn't mean your net worth grows. Right. So this whole notion of, you know, I want to make more money, I want to make more money, that's all great, but what's the goal? Like, why do you want to make more money? And when you do make more money, where is it going to go to appreciate to then grow your net worth? Because down the road, the net worth is what matters because when you retire or when you stop working to get a paycheck, that's the amount you have to live off of and strategize um, when you start taking out distributions to supplement your retirement for the rest of your life. And your income when you retired really doesn't matter at all. Mm. It's how much have you accumulated and can transition that into taking distributions to supplement your retirement lifestyle. And I know as an entrepreneur, you mentioned it earlier, like people putting money into their businesses as entrepreneurs. Yes, we have to continuously do that. And in some industries, it's easier than others to calculate what's that return on investment. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I mean, if you put X amount of dollars into marketing and this and that, and you brought in a ton of money, that's great. But what was the percentage versus what you had to put up front right. in order to generate that revenue? Right. And there's lots of tools to increase your net worth, 
but it's all about setting goals and then being disciplined to keep those goals and keep on track. And it's nice when you can see the progression by tracking it over a period of months or years or whatever it might be. But you need to have that scorecard for yourself and for your household in order to say, okay, yeah, you know, we're making more money, but our net worth hasn't grown. Why hasn't it? And Mm -hmm. then kind of go back to trace why it hasn't or maybe why it has and putting your additional income over and above what you had been earning, putting those things into appreciating assets, whether it's investments that are growing, whether it is paying down debt that was at a high interest rate for whatever reason, or income generating properties or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think to be diverse in different things is extremely helpful depending on people's wants and desires for their long-term goals. Yeah, I think that's an important piece to note too is the diversity piece because I think there are some bad habits of entrepreneurs where they're like a one-trick pony where mm-hmm. they put all their eggs in that one basket and and they make the assumption, you mentioned retirement, so I want to talk about this, is they make the assumption, and I think I probably made this with you when we were first talking, you know, working together with our finances was like, oh, well, I love working. Like, I'm going to work forever. Right. You know, that's the goal. You know, I love that. I'm never going to burn out on this. Well, now I have three kids and, mm. you know, I love, I do love what I do and I, I don't see an end in sight, but I certainly want to plan for one in- yeah. as far as being able to tap out if I want to. And then anything on top of that is gravy. So I think a lot of them go into it not really thinking ahead in that way. They're thinking ahead in the beach house they want to buy or they're thinking ahead in the yeah. money they want to put away for their kids' education, mm-hmm. but they're not thinking ahead for themselves when there comes a day where they're like, I do want to slow down. I don't want to have to operate at this pace or I don't want to do this anymore or I want to just be a present grandparent someday or parent or whatever it might be. So let's say we have someone who's listening to this and they're like, okay, I kind of fall in that camp where I've just been putting the money away, bringing in really good money, but I haven't really planned anything. I haven't really looked into like, you know, assets that can accrue and grow Mm -hmm. and where do I start? So you definitely want to get teamed up with a reputable financial advisor and don't be fooled because a lot of them out there just have products that they're, that they're trying to push either because they work for a company that they are required to push products or because that's all they know. So my recommendation is work with an independent firm who specializes in planning, not just in investments, because a really great planner will be able to tell you, here's your lifestyle now. Here's where you told me you want to be with taxes and inflation. You know, how much additional do we have to save? and which types of vehicles are earning a certain interest rate to get you to that goal. And some people go along just thinking, okay, I'm going to fund my retirement plan. And between my retirement plan and social security, I'll be all set. That's that's rarely the case. Back in the day, our parents and grandparents' generations had pensions. They don't have those anymore. Those were a really great tool to supplement retirement income. So yeah, I mean, you need to be teamed up with somebody who you trust, who you like, and whose advice that you are going to listen to and adhere to because making smaller changes when you're at a younger age is so much easier than making huge changes as you get older and you get closer to that retirement. And unfortunately, at let's say age 55, some people might be like, oh yeah, I guess I don't want to work forever. Like you were just saying, I would rather spend time with grandkids or different hobbies or travel or whatever it might be. And the longer you wait to do this planning, the more difficult it is. It's mm-hmm. more of a, a panic situation than it is a true planning situation where smaller moves can really make a big difference. Yeah. So once you start working with an advisor, what are 
the some of the first things you would do with somebody when you sit down like so it's not a stressful process because I remember going into it at first this is years ago thinking in my head oh I'll just let Michael handle that because he's the number guy, numbers yep. guy in our family and then I was like no I have I have a business I need to understand these things mm-hmm. to the best of my ability but I was nervous I'm like well, is this going to be confusing right. is this going to be overwhelming or stressful am I going to feel pressure that I have to go make more money mm. so take some of that those nerves out of the equation for someone who might be on the fence and what are some of the early steps you would take that wouldn't would take some of that pressure out of the situation so the first couple of conversations you have with an advisor should really be around kind of here's where we are and here's what we enjoy we enjoy our family we enjoy travel and really kind of painting a picture for that advisor to get to know you better and what the important things to you or what you value in life and then from there you know, starting to set the stage of, okay, you know, what does income look like? What do expenses, what have you gathered so far in terms of net worth and assets? And then from that point, putting together a plan, it doesn't have to be super stressful. I mean, there's not a lot of people that enjoy talking about their own finances and, and kind of, you know, stripping that down. So, you know, you're vulnerable to talk about finances with people. And I think that was kind of a generational thing. Like our parents didn't talk about it that much with us as kids and stuff. So I, it doesn't have to be stressful. It should really just be a conversation. And then, yeah, some, some data has to be gathered in order to input. But then the planning process is kind of fun after that because you take everything that is important to you financially and in your family and in your values and putting it on paper and showing the roadmap to what it looks like 10, 20, 40 years from now. And the effects of inflation and, and compound interest that it has. And some people do glaze over. There's usually one person in a household that just kind of glazes over because they're like, yeah, 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 okay. That's just me. just give me the summarized version. It is important for also that person who might glaze over to have a general understanding of what's going on because, you know, stuff happens and people pass away or become disabled. And in those situations, that spouse who didn't want to pay attention because it's not their thing, mm-hmm. it ends up being a, a little bit of a disaster because they have no idea what was saved, why it was saved, what does our plan look like? How to even log in and check stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so I've been meaning to for years kind of put together like a little a little booklet for, you know, widows and widowers and stuff like that. So God forbid that ever happened, they can go right to this little booklet and be like, okay, here's where everything is. Financially, I will know as the advisor and the advisor should know and be able to present that to that individual. But but oftentimes it's not it's not laid out that well. Yeah, it's funny. We um, just had our team out to the farm last week and my operations director, her husband handles all that stuff in their business. And he was talking about something financial and she's like, is it in the book? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's the book? He's like, oh, he has a book that if he croaks, I have all the information. Yeah. She's like, cause I know none of it. Yeah. So he's kind of compiled. A I process. think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, we don't do estate planning, but the estate planning portion on beneficiaries and making sure stuff doesn't go to probate and goes directly to who you want it to and all that stuff in terms of properties and how they're titled and that's part of our process. We put together a beneficiary page for everybody so they can kind of see what the family tree looks like. But that's a huge piece of the puzzle too. Can we go back to assets for a second? Yes. What are different assets that people could start considering? Like, I think everyone's mind goes to real estate. Yeah. And people, I mean, right now the real estate market's really hot because of everything that 
the country's gone through in the last year and and the supply is really low, so therefore demand is high on real estate and every, a lot of people's properties have appreciated. Real estate is great, but it's not for everybody. You need to get advice on why you're doing it. It's usually for a couple of reasons. Is it for rental income? Is it for appreciation? Or is it just for like a quick flip on a property? And with real estate, if you're going to keep it and rent it, you have to understand now you're a landlord and how does that sit with you? And are you able to do that? Some people don't want to do it. And if you don't do it, you have to then go out and hire a management company. And when people talk about real estate, I have clients that are like, oh, that cash flows. And I said, well, that's great. You can make anything cash flow if you put down enough money on it. It's going to cash flow. But it's really what was your cash on cash return. So there's all different strategies involved in real estate. Other assets that might appreciate, you know, mutual funds, stocks, dividend paying type stuff, or your business. So once again, it's finding that return on investment. If you're going to put money into it, what's the return that you got? And not sometimes it's really difficult to put that number to it. What's that percentage return on investment? Mm -hmm. But if you're keeping track of what's worked for you or what's worked for others in your industry, you should have a decent idea. So, I mean, your business, once again, is a is an asset that, and depending on the industry that you're in, you might be able to pass down that asset. You might be able to sell that asset right. or it might just be income generating for decades to come. Right. Okay. So what are some ways, and maybe, I don't know if this is something we can expand on, but talked about potentially selling a business and having that be an asset. How do you set your business up as something that can be sold? Because Mm -hmm. this is another issue. Right now, the world is full of personal brands. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I did years ago. Like, ElizabethHartke.com and all my products were me. Right. But now we have Luminary Leadership Company, and a big driver of that was, man, I want this to be something that's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Maybe my kids could take it over if they wanted to, or I could sell it. Yep. So how do you set yourself up to make sure that that asset is as valuable as possible. So if it's a personal business, like you're talking about, like some, like a marketing thing or something like that, I honestly feel like you'd want to talk to maybe like a business broker or somebody Mm -hmm. who's mature in your business, because I'm not as versed on on that. You're definitely not mature. Yeah. And I'm not mature. (laughs) Yeah. That's very true. But, um, but like I have clients who own a grocery store, Mm -hmm. super profitable, but like any business owner, there are some there are some things, some expenses that you put through the business that if you were going to sell it might not be true business expenses. Yep. So it's about keeping good books and keeping everything clean and marketable. So when the time comes, God forbid you pass away, mm-hmm. that's a sale that you don't want to have to fire sale it. And then all of a sudden it's not worth half as much as you should have got if mm-hmm. you were alive. And then while you're alive, getting it all packaged up nice and neatly. So when the time comes, somebody can easily look at the books, look at the business and say, yes, this makes sense. I see how profitable it is. Um, And different industries have different values based upon maybe it's revenue, gross revenue, net revenue, or some multiple. Mm -hmm. And every industry is a little bit different. But I think understanding your business and having the time to step away from being in your business and looking on your business Mm is important. And maybe you get a buddy who's in the same industry or somebody that you trust their opinion just to kind of run things by them to say, Hey, am I looking at this right? Or what do you see? Or how do I make things more efficient? Because efficiencies are important, whether it's financial efficiencies or your time. Mm -hmm. Should every business have a bookkeeper? 
I think bookkeepers are important. I have a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a CPA. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, I think they're important unless you really like, well, there's two things to this. Unless you really like the numbers and that's part of your role within your business, like maybe somebody else is doing the technology and, and you're doing the books or right. whatever your roles are. But let's just say you do have a bookkeeper. It's important that you just don't relinquish all control and never look at the numbers because you think they have them. Not because I think there's anything that they're doing behind the scenes, but because- Cooking the books. Cooking the books. But you need to know. (laughs) So as an example, our firm, we have an internal cash flow meeting every other week Mm -hmm. just to go through spreadsheets and upcoming expenses and what's where. And you know, if we're giving people increases in pay or compensation somehow or whatever it is. And I think it's important because once again, it gives you a visual of true data to understand where you are and what the projection looks like yeah. and, and how it is quarter after quarter, year after year. So yeah, you definitely need to be tracking the numbers, whether it's you because you like doing it or having a bookkeeper. And there's nothing wrong with delegating. Mm-hmm. Do what you do well, focus your energies on that and delegate the rest. Yeah. And that applies to everything. Everything. Because it's like, you got to value your hour, yep. your hourly rate. Yep. And is that hour that you're spending doing the books or cleaning your kitchen or whatever you're doing or something specific to your business, would you happily pay someone what you would pay yourself for that hour? If you're $500 an hour, would you pay someone $500 an hour to, you know, do your books? Probably not. So find someone at a more reasonable rate that's probably better at it than you and outsource it and get that pressure off of you to do it. Yeah. And if that's what they do, they might they most likely will even do it better than you will because right. that's all they do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's their expertise. Yep. How would you define, I mean, I have a thought in my head of when I think of people making money versus generating wealth, but how would you kind of differentiate or define the two? Um, even if it's like things you see people who are ma- just making money doing, and then the things you see that are different, that are people that are building wealth or how they, even like different symptoms of the two. Stress versus not as stressed or like those kind of things. So having cash flow now, meaning making more money now and um, keeping your, your lifestyle at a certain level, obviously when you, you're making money and you have a surplus in the household, it takes the edge off. Mm -hmm. You're not as concerned necessarily about the day to day money. But if you're not investing it properly, as you get closer to that retirement or when you want to stop going to work for a paycheck or whatever you're doing and just kind of scale back a little bit, you might become really nervous. It didn't, once again, it didn't matter how much money you made because you didn't put away enough to accumulate. And I have clients of mine that make a hundred, there's one gentleman who I met with the other day, let's say he makes 130 grand a year. And let's say he's 40. He's at $700,000 saved. Mm. Because he was a good accumulator. Right. And uh, he set these habits of, okay, here's kind of what I need to live off of and live a, a good life, but I'm just going to put the rest away and not in a savings account. He put in dividend paying stocks. Mm-hmm. And then I have clients that make, I have a client that makes 700 grand a year and um, he hasn't accumulated a lot. Mm-hmm. As a family, they they do trips and they do things that are important and memorable. And as a family, you should be doing, but he's also more concerned with driving a fancy car Mm -hmm. every two years, getting a new car or not necessarily putting his money in the right places. And the funny part is he's five years older 
and he hasn't accumulated as much as the 40 year old who makes not even a quarter of what he makes. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just, and, and it's also, if you get a good accountant and you build a good team around you, um, there are some tax advantages of working for yourself and being able to put away a lot of money pre-tax. And if you're able to work with an advisor and your accountant and have them work as a team for your benefit, you're able to, once again, live a longer, more prosperous life because you did the right things when you were younger. Yeah, totally. And for the people who are like, man, I've lived a lifetime of mistakes already. How do you course correct? You know, for the people who aren't in their, they're not super young like me, like Mm -hmm. only in their early Mm thirties, they're like super old, like in their forties. So we, we all make mistakes. You can change your habits. We've Mm -hmm. talked about habits in the past. You can change your habits with a little bit of guidance and discipline. And that's the best way because once again, I don't care if you're 50, if you change your habits now, it's going to produce benefits for the rest of your life, even Mm -hmm. in retirement. So um, I think it's about changing your mindset and um, and just because you're saving as opposed to spending, it doesn't have to be boring. Mm -hmm. Um, Understanding what the ultimate goal is. And seeing the steps that you're taking year after year to get there is actually exciting. Right. And understanding just because your neighbor drives a fancy car, has this McMansion, and you don't have those things, you know, don't don't really judge or be envious of people because they might not actually be in a good situation. It happens all the time. Yeah. More often than not. More often than not. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the old adage of money doesn't. Bring happiness is it's true. fact and it yeah. amplifies what is, right? So yeah. like if you're a jerk and you are stressed and you have a bad marriage, you make more money and there's a, you know, it's amplified. Yeah. It's not going to cure your problems. Some of the wealthiest people that I've known over the years, some, not all, they dedicated their lives to just making money. And um, unfortunately, their family life suffered. They mm-hmm. don't have great relationships with their kids. They're sometimes now divorced. And at the end of the day, what was it for? Mm -hmm. So I think really digging deep and for your household understanding what is important to you in life now and in the future, that's how your plan needs to be developed. Yeah. And I think what appeals to this audience, or at least many of them, is kind of what appeals to me, which is I want both. I want want to make more money because I'm hungry. Like I like what I do. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to produce and for me, producing is representative of serving my people really well. Mm-hmm. But I also want to build that wealth and generational wealth. Like I want, you know, I want my kids to have to work for whatever it is they want in life. Yep. I don't want to just have money to hand it over. Yep. But I do want that security that is rooted down into my family and to just be able to take care of people outside of my immediate family or, or give in the ways I want to. So it's kind of I don't know, like a balance of the two for me. It's like I want to find ways to strategize to bring in more money now at the same time that I'm prioritizing, you know, wealth strategies and not overlooking that or waiting to start that because I'm like, oh, well, I'm young and I, you know, I'm in the money making phase and then I'll deal with the retirement stuff later. That planning starts now. And so just to touch upon a couple of things you just mentioned, if I'm hearing you correctly in, in what you're saying kind of to your audience and because I know you, you want to make money because now that you're you're hungry and everything for it, but you're not 
correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but you're not doing it out of ego or to compare to somebody else. You're doing it because you're kind of your why mm-hmm. is your family right. and being able to provide things for generations to come. And whether that is your immediate household or your extended family, right. just because I know you and your family very well, but that also comes down to the way that you guys are all raised. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. so building those habits for your kids. So they're, they're watching what, cause they're always watching mm-hmm. and observing what you're doing. I think building those habits for them mm. and having them understand what a dollar is and what it means. And you have to earn it and doesn't necessarily mean that you have to put in more time and work harder. You just got to be smarter about it. Right. I think those habits are really important. And for people to figure out what their why is, why do I want to make more money? Do I even want to make more money or do I just want to build more wealth? Right. Because there's that difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you bring that up because we have like the raising luminaries part of our company Mm -hmm. where we're focusing on different ways to help parents raise up their kids in leadership and entrepreneurship and understanding values like this because so many kids today can, you know, rattle off something they've memorized that they'll never use again for the rest of their life, but they don't even know how to go to the bank and cash a check. Yeah. And so you and I did a podcast episode two years ago, Mm -hmm. two or three years ago uh, out at your place. And that came up because I had just got done teaching a course at UNH. Right. And um, yeah, Professor Eric. That's right. And it is true setting those habits and, and teaching your kids. And, you know, right now, when we were growing up, often it was one parent was working, right? one parent was at home. Yep. Now to make kind of ends meet and to, you know, Maybe it's just the drive of people now too, or society, but both parents are often working now. Yeah. So those lessons to kids sometimes, you know, don't happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important. So if you do an episode or a teaching about, you know, for parents, for their kids, or if it's just for the next generation, right. I would love to speak on it because yeah. having been around college kids in my later adult years, my professional life, it was really eye-opening because the things I thought I assumed that they knew how to do or how to value compensation packages when they graduated from college and stuff, they didn't know. Mm. And I I think that's really important for the next generation is to educate them and have them build good habits. Um, Because I see generation after generation, they sometimes follow the same mistakes their parents made or Maybe not so much the parents made, but the parents didn't have time to teach them why mm-hmm. they were doing things or why they weren't. And Lord knows the school system's not doing it. Yeah. When it comes to, I mean, back when we were in high school, there was like home ec and right. I, I don't know what there is now in mm-hmm. high school, but there was never really, yeah, there was like an accounting class, but never really anything about like life skills yeah. um, surrounding finance and habits and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what, what goes on in high school right now because I don't have kids and a lot of my friends' kids are not in high school yet. Right. But I will be curious because I, I don't think they're teaching that sort of stuff. I mean, they teach a lot of great topics and stuff that has built us the way that we are now. But yeah, I mean, I think a life skills course mm-hmm. surrounding this be, would be awesome. Right. I think so too. We'll definitely everybody. have a part two where we focus more on that. That'd be great. Next generation. Because that's such a big, that was a big driver behind this whole company and this launch was kind of looking at my own kids And witnessing what so many of my clients and mastermind members and people that I've worked with or just peers over the years, that they're so invested in growing their business Mm -hmm. that to your point, they're not, and they're growing their business almost with the mindset of, 
well, my kids are seeing me work hard. They're seeing us make money. It's going to happen by osmosis that they're just going to pick this up. Yeah. And it, there has to be something more. There has to be a prioritization mm-hmm. of that focal point on the kids and what you're teaching them and how you're teaching them and how you're honoring that relationship with them and intentionally raising them up as leaders. They're not just going to become a leader because you're a leader. Like there's, right. there's another step to that process. And that was a big motivator for us with both the company and the incubator that we have for mm-hmm. the, you know, successful entrepreneurs is we needed to create a home for successful entrepreneurs who actually deeply care about this, but mm-hmm. maybe they just don't know exact. Okay. Like how do I deeply care about this? Like how do I do something with that yep. passion? Cause I've been in a lot of masterminds and they've been really valuable for specific things, mm-hmm. but I felt like there wasn't one place where, where my values were being honored, where I didn't feel like it was just another place where people were comparing numbers and like flaunting with their personas and, ego and stuff. Yeah. And like not actually <clears throat> able to let down those walls and share where they're struggling or where they want to improve yeah. and where they are actually making this investment back into their children in a big way. So it's, it's cool to hear you talk about that because I just, and it doesn't have to just be for parents. We're all in, you know, all influencing the next generation. Yeah. And I think if you do a podcast regarding this topic, maybe it should be two separate ones. One for just kids, the mm-hmm. next generation, that's like 10 minutes, just like mm-hmm. quick. So they can just put it on real quick. They're not yeah. going to listen to an hour podcast right? on, on this topic anyway. But, yeah. but like for the parents, maybe it's a different, it's a different one. Mm-hmm. But also, like your kids see you go to work, they understand you go somewhere, or you do something when you shut your door in terms of your job. But have you ever talked to your kids about why do you do it? Right. To make money. Okay, but why? Why is money important? Why is money important to us as a family? Like for kids, it's important to know why parents do certain things. Not everything, mm-hmm. but um, but you're trying to lead by example and feel like they should they should know why you spend so much time doing what you're doing yeah the dollar amount doesn't matter right but you know our generation was brought up go to high school you do well in high school go to college you go to a college you can get a good job and there's nothing saying you have to follow the norms but i think you need to understand why you make certain decisions we are all at where we are today in our lives because of certain things that have happened to us and therefore certain decisions that we have made on a daily basis. Right. We have decisions every single day to make. And some people make better decisions for their future than others. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to live in the moment and live in the now, but you also need to understand that God willing, there is a future. And right. so how do you prepare for that and keep that balance? Yep. Very well said. Any words of wisdom, closing words of wisdom for our listeners. Since we're mostly talking to entrepreneurs here, also remember whatever you're doing for your business, make sure you enjoy it. Mm. And it should never then really be your job mm-hmm. if you're enjoying what you do. And your kids and the people surrounding you will f- will feed off that energy. And then make sure you you team up with the right accountant and the right advisor and build your team. So moving forward, you know that, hey, my team has it. Like mm-hmm. we'll review as often as I feel we should and, and we'll make the best moves efficiently for our household now to prepare for whatever our why is down the road. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we working so hard? Why are we making the decisions we make? And, and maybe having your children understand why you're doing that as well. Yeah. 
I think that's I think that's important. Yeah, that starts the ripple effect and yeah. that becomes your legacy. I think a lot of people try and make their business their legacy mm. when it's really what's the impact that either you or that business is making after you're gone, not just how much money did you make or how big did your business get? Yeah, and you know, who's to say that your kids will even want to be in your business? Right. You know, so mm-hmm. um and I think it's setting expectations for them to understand it's okay if you don't want to be so they don't feel the pressure that they can do what they want to do. But at the end of the day, they know that you worked hard. You made good decisions. You had good help. You're not going to make the best decisions all the time, but at least they're able to kind of follow what you've done and and why you've done it. I think that why is a big, we've talked about why before, but I think the Ted talk on why I think is is a good, and kids should watch that maybe. Right. You know, when we say kids, I mean, you know, teenagers. Sure. Yeah. yeah, when you're able to start making your own decisions. Well, thank you for oh, joining me. And thank you for keeping it together and not laughing the whole time with me. Yeah, I just needed 10 minutes of not looking at you, and then, <laughs> and then we were fine. The first 10 minutes, we made no eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Eric. All right, thanks. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartkey. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. We pick a luminary each week from our social posts. So if you want to be entered into our luminary of the week drawing, then comment, save and share the Instagram post from this episode. We want to lead and spoil you. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.